Welcome to Living Water Radio. I spent a semester in Israel when I was in college. The professor who took us over gave us an assignment to pick one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and read it in one sitting before we left the U.S. I picked Matthew, and when I was finished, the one verse that seemed to describe the character of the Gospel more than any other was Matthew 9.36, a parallel to the one in this text. In fact, I wrote it on an index card and pinned it above my desk, where it stayed until I graduated, and then through much of seminary. It was this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. My name is Pastor David Burkettall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. This text from Mark, the sixth chapter that we're looking at today, begins with Jesus' concern for the exhaustion of his disciples. They had just come in off the road. They had been sent out to Galilee, where John the Baptist had been killed by Herod Antipas, two by two, to travel light with authority over the unclean spirits. They proclaimed that all should repent. They had cast out demons and had anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. They had no money. They had stayed with anyone who would give them shelter and something to eat. What happened when they got back? And how did Jesus show them the role of compassion in the Christian life? The answer begins in Mark chapter 6, starting with the 30th verse, with the disciples' exhaustion. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. Many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. The apostles, they are now called apostles because they have been sent, needed time to rest, and they needed time with Jesus to prepare them for what was coming. Abraham Lincoln once said, If I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening my axe. They needed that time to rest and sharpen their openness to God. The need to rest is nothing new, but the idea of taking intentional time off from work is relatively new in human history. The pastors of our synod take some time off with our bishop to rest and to learn at the annual bishop's colloquy. One year, the topic was self-care, and one of the main speakers was Professor Guy Irwin, a Luther scholar from California Lutheran University, who later himself became our synod's bishop. Near the beginning of his presentation, he said something like, Martin Luther isn't the best source for self-care. Luther's attitude was, the pitcher goes to the well until it breaks. The idea of a weekend only started in 1879, and then, for when factory work ended at noon on Saturday, it wasn't yet a widespread practice, and if you were rich and didn't need to have a job, it didn't matter. 
Remember the response of the Dowager Countess of Grantham in Downton Abbey when Matthew Crowley said he could work during the week at his job, which horrified the aristocrats, and help manage the estate on the weekends? What is a weekend, she said. The practice of taking a vacation didn't start until the late 1800s, less than 150 years ago. Likewise, retirement for senior citizens only started around this time as well and became somewhat common in the 1920s. Social Security didn't start until 1935, just 86 years ago. Still, many people don't take their vacation time and put retirement off for as long as possible. Though apparently the pandemic has given many a glimpse of the retired life with the time to reflect, and significant numbers are now requesting early retirement, or just leaving to pursue some other form of work. The computer was supposed to usher in the paperless office, right? It didn't happen. Likewise, I took a course on future studies when I was in seminary, and the professor shared his expectation that within our lifetimes, one of our biggest challenges would be that automation, or what we would today call artificial intelligence, would make work unnecessary. This would result in a new kind of human being. We would no longer be homo sapiens, people of wisdom or knowledge, but homo ludens, people of play. Our challenge would be to help people find meaning in that workless life. That hasn't happened either. Yet. We are frazzled, and as we move into the new normal, we are moving back into increased frazzledness. Only the world is changing, and we aren't yet sure where our busyness is supposed to be directed. The disciples had become so frazzled that leisure wasn't even on their radar screens. In fact, they hadn't even had enough time to eat. I've had days where I forgot to eat. I don't think that's uncommon, but I think that that's different from not having enough time to eat. One of my great life lessons came in high school when a teacher who I still consider one of my lifetime so far top five best teachers assigned a paper that I didn't turn in. I went to his office that afternoon to explain that I had been too busy and I listed all of what I thought were my impressive academic and extracurricular activities. He considered what I had said, rocked back in his chair and said, David, we do the things we love. If we don't have time, we make time. I think that we could say that the apostles were doing the thing they loved, but they had also been sent with a responsibility to the people they served, and serving God, who was also fully human being, who was at the same time teaching them what compassion means, was also a priority. They tried to get away. Satisfying their genuine need to rest and resharpen didn't work out so well. They were about to learn a lesson from Jesus on the nature of compassion. The passage concludes starting at Mark 6, verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The crowds could see their boat from the shore and tried to follow them. This was the crowd from the feeding of the 5,000. Can you picture a large group of people trying to keep track of a boat in the Sea of Galilee, running to keep up with it, not watching what or who was in front of them, stumbling over things and people until the boat was finally headed toward the shore? 
As he went ashore, Jesus saw them standing there, waiting, like sheep without a shepherd. Several years ago, I read a story in the paper about a truckload of sheep that had overturned less than four miles from where we live on its way to the L.A. County fairgrounds at the Pomona Fairplex. The sheep had escaped and were running around on Town Avenue. The police were called and, sizing up the situation, looked up shepherds in the soon-to-go-away yellow pages and found a listing for a group of Basque shepherds who came in, rounded up the sheep, and without losing any and without any injuries, got them back on the truck and on their way. Sheep need a shepherd. Was Jesus upset that his plans to get his apostles some rest had been ruined? No. He had compassion on the crowd, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what did he do when he saw them? He began to teach them many things. Some say that our ability to show compassion has diminished during the pandemic. We've been isolated from one another. We've lost the ability to read faces and emotional tone. We've learned to fear people, particularly those who we don't know. We've gotten used to being apart from one another and have accepted that the world revolves around us and our behavior and our needs and will take care of us. As a result, we've lost our skills for cooperation and community building, and our polarization as a nation has gotten worse. Compassion does not come as easily to us as it once did. We are closed in in ourselves. Some claim we have compassion fatigue, but I don't buy that. Maybe among the frontline workers and first responders, but not for most of us. One of my colleagues once said that when people say to him that they can't volunteer for ministries because they are burned out, he first tries to think of a time when they have been passionate for the church's ministries, because you can't burn out until you catch on fire. The apostles needed to rest. Jesus knew that. But when Jesus saw the needs of the crowds, he pivoted. He showed the disciples what ministry is. As a colleague once said when a member of the church he served stuck their head into his office space to say, sorry to interrupt you, but he answered, interruptions are my business. Jesus had compassion on the crowd because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he shows us the order of compassion. First, sheep need to be fed and guided and shown the way, the truth, and the life. They need to be protected from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Jesus showed them that their greatest need was not to get better. It was for a Savior. So the first thing he did was to teach them many things. Second, he took care of their physical hunger. In the context of the apostles having no leisure even to eat, the crowd was hungry and Jesus fed them. We'll see that part of the story two sessions from now. Third, he gave the people a glimpse of what God had intended the world to be and a glimpse of what was coming in the new heaven and the new earth. That's what miracles are. He showed them God's power to transform. He showed them healing of what was broken. We'll take a deeper look at that next time. That's the order of compassion. It begins with teaching. It begins with the why, not with the how or the what of the Christian life. If we don't begin with the teaching, nothing else makes sense. We are just social service agencies using religious language. Every one of those who Jesus taught, who Jesus fed, who Jesus healed, who Jesus raised from the dead, came to the same end. They died. 
It was what Jesus taught, and in particular, that he would die for humanity, that gave them the reason for everything else, that led people to receive the gift of a transformed life, becoming a new creation in a life of faith that was eternal, starting in this life and continuing on forever. No one else bears this message to the world but us. Proclaiming this good news is who we are, who we have been created, equipped, and sent to be. Everything we do flows from this. The order of compassion ends at the cross. Here we see what the center of all human history and the foundation of our ministry is. Here is where God's compassion is seen in action. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life, Jesus said in John 3.16. The outcome of Jesus' compassion was this. He began to teach them many things. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They had no one to bring them to the places where they might be fed with the truth, protected from the evil one, and cared for when they were broken. We can do those same things today for the lost sheep of our generation by pointing to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Jesus taught people and did miracles out of compassion. They were signs of what was intended by God at creation, and someday will be again. He calls us to faith, to the living relationship with God for which we were created and which was made possible for us as a gift at the cross. Jesus shows us the nature of compassion itself. He had compassion on the crowd because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he gave him them himself. He said in John 10:11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That is the teaching that Jesus has entrusted to us for the world and the foundation of the Christian life we share. Today, let's remember to pray that we may be God's instruments to do God's will in all things. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay at home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. 
Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.